0: I'll tune into the Don't Tap, Don't Tap, Don't Tap, don't tap, don't tap Podcast. Don't Tap Podcast. Follow me on Twitter. Hey, I'm UFC President Dana White, and you're in the ring with Callum McGregor. To me, the Lions are the number one
1: rankings out there. Those guys are the ones who really do
0: their homework. Man, I, think I the
1: rankings are bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Got
0: a really high fight IQ, but this fight, I'm telling you, it's a three-dollar coin. I levels to the shit. So many high-level guys. So like the line is crazy. Oh, there we go. Oh, no, we're good. See, he's a pro. UFC Fight night, UFC Kansas City. Um, so now we're getting fight nights that aren't just going to always be assumed to be at the apex, which is great. Uh, they're traveling to venues. They're going to need more crowds um and creates a little bit more of a, a fun atmosphere and we can say it's a bigger cage it's not really something that we're looking at always a smaller cage does the grappler get there earlier so um this is a tricky card man i mean if you look up and down it we're here later in the week i think a lot of people have put their takes out you know one way or the other but there's uh, a minefield out there a lot of these are maybe tighter lines than they they should be and it's uh definitely interesting or definitely um they're tighter lines than they are actually sorry but um what is your uh, feel going into this card, man? Or this one, you you have uh, some sharp spots already. I know that we're on some similar spots already out of the
1: gate. Yeah, man. Like, um, obviously, we're going to get into this in a second. It's it's definitely a little bit of a dicey card. There's a lot of 50-50 fights, but, you know, with these 50-50 fights, man, you can always find an angle. You can find an over. You can find an under. Just you, you're getting closer line fights, and, you know, that, that's good for us too, man, because as we saw last week, lots of chalky spots, lots of underdogs cash, and so – it's always better to be on a minus 120 to minus 170 than get crushed by a minus 230, which didn't add a lot of value to what you're trying to produce.
0: For sure. And I wanted to, uh, before we dive in, I just wanted to highlight a couple of our sponsors. Of course, we're, we're back with BetStamp um so Betstamp is definitely a, an app i want you guys to all to check out it's a great community uh download the app using uh promo code don't tap d-o-n-t-t-a-p the Betstamp app is going to allow you to be able to check the line history to see exactly where the lines have flipped tanner are normally it was actually a you know, little more plus money before you can see that the line has actually moved it, it sort of gives you that line value um change and then also on top of that too it's just a community where you can actually bounce um your bets off other bettors as well too they have a, a great discord as community as well too and you know if you want a line shop that's the biggest thing to be able to line shop and look to see where the best lines are it's the best way to build your parlays instead of sacrificing by adding a fourth leg or a third leg really stick to a two leg don't add that third leg find better value maybe a little bit shocky but still it's better to go that route find better value less legs if you're gonna parlay. So um, for that one, that is the one of our sponsors, another sponsor that we, we have that we just brought on board and, and are really excited to be a, a part of is, uh, you know, a farm out of um, Ontario, out of Innisfil and a very modernized uh, approach. They're doing deliveries through their websites um, and delivering out boxes. So we have Dempsey's farms, um, ethically raised animals, um, you name it, they have it. Um, If you look at the the boxes that they're putting out right now, they're very solid, and I'm going to be putting out more info and more commercials with regards to Dempsey's Farms. This is just more of an intro into. um, We're very excited to be partnered up with them as well, too. So um, let's dig in here. We have UFC Fight Night Kansas City, Max Holloway against Arnold Allen. Allen finally getting, you know, that big, big, big name. Um, Holloway doesn't have the belt attached to him at this point, but uh, this is essentially going to be, Would you agree, um as everything sort of shakes up probably be a first, uh, number one contender spot after this fight.
1: Uh I think it's tough for Holloway to get another title shot to be honest. I think that you know as long as um Volkanovski holds that title I don't foresee him getting another title So I,
0: I guess that's the caveat. It's, it's more Allen is the it, if Allen wins he he might likely be the number one contender. Um so yeah, I'm with you on that. So I'll I'll detail it out for you, and then you can take it away and and give me your breakdown, brother. So we have Holloway coming in as the favorite, minus one seventy four over Allen. Dog plus one sixty. Holloway twenty three seven and zero. Allen nineteen one and zero. Um, really, they're virtually almost. I mean, Holloway a little bit taller, but the reach is roughly the same. And if we're looking at it, man, Holloway is going to be able to run volume. And we know that he's landing roughly a little over seven strikes landed per minute. And we know that Allen, although at times has shown volume, traditionally is a lower volume guy. And yeah, he's been getting guys out of there. But this is really, I think, the story of this fight. I think that if Holloway is still there, Holloway, and I know a lot of guys are leaning on that fact, that he's still with it and still fully Holloway, um, he out-volumes Allen, maybe to a decision and or a late finish. But I don't know. What do you think, man? Because I've been looking at Holloway as he left the cage when he was fighting, um, what was it, his last fight? He just didn't look, he was bloody beaten up, looked slower in that fight. Um, it really makes me wonder if Allen can mix in a little bit of the wrestling, make this a little bit ugly, land some big shots on Holloway. It's definitely interesting. I've gone back and forth. I'm still, I, I love to hear what you think of this one. Is it a Holloway either late finisher decision? Or do we have Allen who mixes in the wrestling, gets a dominant decision? Um, landing bigger shots um or is it alan that gets him out of there and, and finally is it that holloway's durability is he's been in so many wars like so many wars and even seeing him with his family i remember um, vividly a cage side he just looked like it was like man it's wearing on what are your thoughts on this one does holloway come in and do what holloway does does alan um you know put an old vet out to pasture what's your take on this one
1: Yeah, I do. I've decided with Holloway pretty heavily on this one. Honestly, I feel like the line should be a little wider. I think whenever it comes to Allen, a lot of people are putting a lot of credit into that win uh, he has over Dan Hooker. Um, In his most recent fight against Calvin Cater, there was a knee injury in the second round. The first fight was close and competitive. Wasn't really neither one or neither guy, sorry, was really taking control. So I don't think we learned a lot from that fight. And I think this is such a jump up in competition, right? Like, a lot of people will credit the fact that Holloway's kind of on the decline to the Ayer fight, but he won that fight. And other than the fact that his leg was compromised, he's still fantastic in that fight, right? It's just, it's a coming-of-age technique. We saw it even in the Izzy fight this weekend, right? That calf kick did damage to him. And then, you know, you had to take a step back. Same thing happened to Holloway in that fight. Uh, I don't foresee... Allen coming in and having that type of style and a pressure that could actually control him and I think that whenever Holloway starts letting go the volume's just going to be too much for Allen. Allen's not known for being a volume guy. Once again, it's the last two fights that are people are putting a lot of stock into. I think there's a lot of recency bias in this fight. So, I like Holloway, man. I like Holloway a lot in this fight. Yeah, I mean, if you
0: look at um Allen lands about 3.4 uh, strikes per minute absorbing about 2.25 i mean it's it's more than double um that holloway is going to land in this fight if it goes the distance i i just it, for me it was just that it really hangs upon that thing i just look at him and i guess it's perception i guess it's still narratively but i just look at him and he looks like it's wearing on like so i'm just wondering if that's it so it makes me maybe want to stay off at the same time i mean I, where the line is at for a guy like holloway at minus 174 i, I think that's where you know, we can lie with our pick you're very confident in it and obviously i, I can't not lean with the champ if um, you're already there and the lines are sort of telling us what minus 174 we can take. Now, is the, if the lines start to inflate by the end of the week, if you can get Allen over plus 200, then that's a good value.
1: Well, next fight on. It is, I also should know, man, like this is one of these fights where. You're going to get money either way from a live betting perspective. And it's going to be one of these fights where you're going to be able to see how things, how like the tides changing. Like, I don't foresee there being a finish in this fight. Neither guy has really been finished in their career. And this isn't, they don't have the stylistic match where, like, say, you know, they're facing a Josh Emmett where that one punch KO could really make the difference in this fight. So if you really want to tackle this from a strong betting perspective, honestly, after the first round, you're going to see how the tide's going. And really,
0: as you're looking at it, like I'm looking at it from a narrative. Is Holloway sort of faded, or is Allen going to throw more volume? And that those are sort of narrative things, right? If you look at the numbers, Allen's going to throw lower volume. Holloway's going to throw bigger volume. Both guys tend to go the distance most of the time. I mean, that's where it lies, right? So we'll go Holloway. Holloway likely by decision, depending on how many spots we have on the card. Next fight on the card, we have Edson Barbosa coming in against Billy Quarantillo. Man, I've gone back and forth a little bit on this are coming in at the plus 155 dog, 22, 11, and 0. And Quarantillo coming in at 17, 4, and 0, the minus 167 favorites. Um, I mean, this is really a case of another guy that's climbing up the ranks and another guy that's sort of falling out of the ranks. boats has sort of been not as durable lately. And he's been getting hit more than he's been landing. Um, and when trying to look at his dynamic and this scary, like, that was the thing about him. He had a presence about him in the cage. Um, people feared him with his striking style and now people really aren't fearing him they're marching him down he doesn't do as well with pressure right when he can't get a little bit of room to create what he wants to create um, unless he's clinching you up there's a that mid-range where Billy Quarantillo lives that's going to be a little bit of an issue with the boxing so definitely um, an interesting one here we have 75 inch reach which is the one thing that we look at for Barboza over Quarantillo's um, 70 inch reach Um, but the volume is on Um Billy's side. Billy's got seven point eight eight strikes landed per minute versus absorbing five point seven two. And I mean, lately Barbosa's been landing three point nine six and absorbing a little over four. So he's pretty much landing four, absorbing four. Um, the takedown defense of Barbosa is 75%, and Billy's landing at about a clip of about, about one and a half takedowns per fight. So it's interesting to see if you can mix in a little bit of wrestling, get it ugly with the boxing. I'm starting to lean Billy in this one, especially with how Edson has not looked as durable. Um, currently, with the line, though, Barbosa as a dog, it's another one of those ones that are tricky. This is a very tricky card, the way it lines out, because if they do stand, you're giving Barbosa his his win condition if Billy doesn't take him down. So it's definitely interesting. Um, obviously, his most notable uh, losses recently Barbosa's lost to Mitchell, uh, taken out by Jakadze, and then his last one was against Shane Burgos. And the biggest win for Quarantillo is is over Hernandez. Um, and he also has a loss over Burgos as well, too. So take it away. What's your thoughts on this one? Definitely an interesting fight. I think I'm going to lean Billy here. I think stylistically he's going to get it done with the volume and pressure. I think that's the way to do it. And that's what he's good at. So I think it's a stylistically at this point in Edson's career. I think Billy's a little bit of crit tonight, man.
1: Honestly, think that this is one of these fights where you probably shouldn't put too much stock into it. I think you kind of need to wait and see where Billy's really at. If you look at that Alexander Hernandez fight, he got the living shit kicked out of him in the first round. Like it wasn't close, and really, what saved him in that fight was Alexander having a god awful gas tank, which he's notorious for, and just fading late. So his toughness is kind of what brought him to that point. Um, if this fight stays standing, I do have to favor Edison in the fact that. You know, he is pretty good at implementing a good game plan. Billy isn't the type of guy that comes in with that one-punch KO power. You know, Edson's chain is questionable, so you don't necessarily need that to put him in danger in this fight. But I think this is highly versatile on how this can go. Because if Edson just sticks to the outside, pops that jab off, and kicks that leg, you know, Billy could be compromised in the first couple minutes of this fight. He's very good with those kicks, man, those that left switch kick to the body. He puts people in danger all the time with it. And it's kind of just one of these fights where I want to see where Billy's at. Like, so if I was going to on this fight, man, it has to be a dog or pass situation, just in the sense that I think the striking shouldn't be close, but I really want to see if this step down competition really shows where Edson's at. And if this step up, you know, shows where Billy's kind of coming of age in his career. So there's no bet for me on this one, man. It just, One of these fights I want to watch and kind of see if we're on a decline or a rise, and you know gauge it for the next time around. Yeah. So the pick will be Edson, but it's no money on my end. I'm with
0: you on the the no. Bet situation. Um, as far as Billy though, I just think stylistically it's gonna be a difference. But I am with you on the fact that it is, this is sort of a step up as someone sort of maybe potentially stepping down. Um, the one thing I will note with Billy is he's he's notably went from sort of that just brawler to a little bit more measured. I think his path to victory is a lot more measured, like it's gonna to have to be like a measured pressure. So he's gonna to have to continue to press press um Barbosa but being defensively sound and Hopefully he doesn't get drawn into something, but, um, regardless, I'm with you for not making a play on this one. Um, I think it's just going to be one that we enjoy and just sort of see if Billy is there. And if Edson truthfully is done. Um, but this next one we do have a take on because there's a guy that looks like he's stuck in the mud at times, but just slowly lulls his way to an explosive victory. And then we have a guy who volumes, um, with some, some beautiful kickboxing and, uh, you know, definitely, 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 um, he definitely beat Khalil Roundtree. So we'll dig into the next fight. We got Dustin Jacoby coming in. Um, Right now, 18-6-1, the minus-155 favorite over Azamat, Mirzakhanov, 12-0-0, the plus-165 dog. And, I mean, Jacoby, uh, both guys, Dana White Contender Series guys, but Jacoby seasons earlier. um, With Jacoby, a lot more fights in the UFC, a lot more... Uh the strength of schedule is absolutely definitely there. He's he's possibly one of the most high-level kickboxes actually in the UFC, I would say. Um, comprehensive striker, he measures his attacks so well, measures his distance so well. Um for him, his path to victory really isn't going to ever be on the ground. So he's going to be you like we usually look at decision, you know, Jacoby by decision. Um the volume is there that he slowly builds up towards KOs as well, too, depending on his opponent. Um so for me, I don't know, man, defense is defensive takedowns. That, that's sort of been the issue um, is, is defense when it comes down to takedowns has been the problem. If Mirzakhanov wants to actually go to wrestling, which we haven't seen at this level, um, you know, that would be a path to victory. Clearly, I think if Mirzakhanov wants to play this whole game at distance and, and, and slowly load his opponent into something and then and then try to close that distance up against the cage, He's gonna get caught. I think that uh, Jacoby's just gonna be able to piece him up, circle off the cage, and and touch him up. He, he can't play this. Like, would you agree? Like, is that with that? Am I crazy by saying that? Kind of, he sort of lulls guys into this slow pace, um, lands the big shots, then presses you up against the cage, tries to work you there, um, and, and is explosive. But I don't know what it is about him that he, if he was a higher pace than better cardio, I think he would be a much better fighter. I just think that Jacoby's gonna be able to stay on the feet enough. Um, and land enough of the the bigger shots, and I think he's gonna have a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. And the one thing to note is, Fast factory X is big in this this paper or big on this card. There's a lot of guys that are all in a, a camp right now. They're all sh- like iron sharpening iron. They're they're all working together. So I just I like Jacoby heavily in this spot. He was one of our earliest plays. Um, Jacoby, I think, likely wins the decision in this one, or at least actually maybe look at a prop third round decision. Jacoby, your you take on this one? Jacoby, Rosicano.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm high on Jacoby in the spot, man. I've been pretty good at picking Jacoby fights. I did pick Round uh, Roundtree in the last fight. I know a lot of people are mad by the decision, but as we always say in the man in this game, you get good bounces, you get bad bounces. Luckily, that bounce went my way. It was a close competitive fight, but I don't think this is going to be a close competitive fight. I think with Dustin Jacoby, he's coming in with a five-inch reach advantage. He's got a four-inch, or sorry, a six-inch height advantage. He's got the more experience, like Azmat's 12-0, and 0, but he's 12-0 and 0 against guys that aren't really the greatest level of competition. Even if you look at his UFC debut against Stefan, you know, that he would came in like a minus 300 favorite, and yeah, he landed that knee in the third, but he was down two rounds coming into it. He's one of these guys that kind of needs to bully his way into a fight. You know, we saw him able to do that against Devin Clark. Devin Clark is the type of fighter that, doesn't like to get hit, and when he does, he tends to curl and just kind of lose track of his game plan. So I'm not surprised with how Azmat took that one over, but that's not what we have in Dustin Jacoby. Dustin Jacoby's a gamer. He'll get in your face, and his kickboxing record speaks for itself. You know, He's fought the likes of guys like Alex Pereira, although obviously that did not quite go his way, but nonetheless, he's been in there in these big kickboxing fights, and that's where this fight's going to take place. I don't foresee Azmat taking him down. I think Dustin to fought much better wrestlers and as Matt's shown questionable cardio in the past. So I don't think it'd be smart for him to implement a heavy grappling approach. So I like Jacoby, man. I'm with you. I like Jacoby by decision. I put it out on my Instagram earlier today that it's a plus 200. It's a spot that I really like. I think he's just gonna be able to control distance. He's one of these guys that doesn't chase the finish, although he got it, not his last fight, but the fight before. But as I, said, I think kicks that leg, man pops that jab and circles that cage for the better part of three rounds.
0: Well, I mean, I, I know that we always reference um, Jacoby's kickboxing refer- uh, record, but like it, he's at a point now that his MMA record is the relevant thing, man. I mean, KO round one over Dan O'Jung, um, wins a decision over uh, Mikhail Chuck, and then a decision over Maxim Grishin. Like, these are notable wins, man. Like, the guy's the guys done it. He's... he's Grinded against wrestlers he has been taken down but been able to make it work and i think that the chip on his shoulder is going to be the difference um he's going to land volume and maybe get marzakana out of there late this could be there's a bunch of live betting a lot of people are talking about it there's a lot of live betting scenarios because there's a lot of guys that are round one go get it um that's going to be their win condition and if they don't get it that their opponents are going to be the bet on the other side of it so um, definitely high on Jacoby. We already have Jacoby and Tanner Bozer in a parlay. as a two-piece, um, earlier in the week. We got Tanner at plus money, so definitely high on him. So next we will move on to two. Tanner Bozer, Ian Kutalaba. Um, this one definitely pretty much a storyline that everybody is looking at. And Ian Kutalaba fights roll one way, and that's pretty much it. I'm confused by the line. I get... I think the line is pretty much built in based on takedowns. I don't think it's built on anything else. Um, Because if you look at it, Ian Quintalaba has won what? Out of his last... He's won two out of his last eight fights. Like, what are we even talking about here? We know that the guy has strong wrestling, but really some of the poor fight IQ, and I have to say it, just because I think that he does have the talent and the skills to do it, and just doesn't quite... Put it together he always sort of goes for it too much whether it's throwing too much into his punches or you know pressing so many takedowns um not really measuring his gas tank and then by the time the second round part way through hits it, it's just done and if, if someone can outlast that a guy like tanner bozu i think be able to um it's definitely interesting man so we have Elon know coming in as the favorite minus 122 um tanner bozu coming in initially the the line was at plus 110 i believe you can actually still find it now in some books at plus 110 um so this line has sort of moved a little bit up and down but um if we're looking at it tanner bozer now moving down to light heavyweight from heavyweights and I, I know that he was always that that lighter um heavyweight in time he looks good man i know that you it was actually you that sent the first time and sent the picture and i noticed it and then checked out the instagram he looks ripped for this fight he looks in really good shape for this fight um, his cardio is already pretty decent. I think if he can, you know, he's probably gonna get taken down in the first round. If he can sort of stay away from trouble and get back to his feet, or even sort of throw away around I don't want to say it. I think he candidly um, picks Kutilaba apart for two rounds, um, easily and and wins the decision. If not, gets him out late because kutalaba just gases. And I know that's narrative, but I mean it's sort of narrative based on stat now. So this is pretty simple for me. I, I it hits. Tanner Bozer, well, the pay-per-view was on before Adesanya had actually won um, because that just seemed to be the spot where the line was a little bit off. And that is going to be one of our plays of the week, likely. Um, What's your take on this, Tanner Bozer, Ian Kutilaba?
1: Yeah, um, I have to agree, man. Like, I hate Tanner Bozer plus 110, too. And you still get the lineup on DraftKings right now. Um, I think that it's one of these fights, though, that you're going to see a lot in the first round. Um, I got a greasy play on this one, man. I got Tanner Boser by submission at plus 1,800 just because, like, you know Eon's going to land those subs. Tanner Boser is one of these guys, man. He's very well-rounded in that sense. He has a couple submissions earlier in his career, and that just gives me the take that, you know, with something that he can still use in his arsenal, it just hasn't been something that's been implemented well at heavyweight. You don't see a lot of rear naked chokes and stuff like that heavyweight, big greasy guys get on top of each other. Choke doesn't come that easily, but as he moves down, man, you know, the strength, the power is going to be there. You know, if he's on the ground, Eon Kutalaba's gas and that neck presents itself, I think it's something he's going to be able to snatch up. Obviously at plus 1800, you know what you're getting yourself into by betting these types of lines, but I do believe that Eon will get the takedowns and I believe that he'll probably gas after the first round. And, but he's going to shoot radically because that's what he does. You know, he's one of these guys that if he's going to win this fight, man, if you're on the Eon side, you you bet him and you bet under 1.5 because that's his win condition. Because if this gets extended at all, <clears throat> then he's going to start to gas. Somebody like Tanner Bozer has shown good cardio fighting up a weight class, you know. Just how is he going to look now, man? As you pointed out, you check his Instagram, the dude's looking ripped. He's taking this very seriously. I think he was tired of getting kind of laid on. You look at his fight against Nascimento up a heavyweight. Guy literally did nothing, laid on top of him for the better part of 15 minutes. It was a very boring fight. Nobody was entertained. But with him being on the lighter scale of the heavyweights, he's mentioned, if you listen to his interviews, that discipline's just been an issue. You know, there was an interview, I can't recall who it was with, but he's going on about how, <clears throat> you know, they the guy asked him, said, you know, well, how'd you lose this weight? How'd you get this? And he said, I just did it because it's just a mentality thing. You know, I said the guy looks ripped now. I think he's going into this. I think he sees openings at light heavyweight. And maybe I'm talking him up too much. But I think he wants to be a contender. And I think we'll find out a lot in this fight. And if he gets a win over a guy like Kutalaba, who's got a reputable name, I think it will just kind of push him into that, you know, top ten, top fifteen range. So
0: So Ian Kutalaba's second round starts to shoot his (laughs) twelfth shot for a takedown and Sloppily misses it and Bozer snatches up a neck submission second round.
1: Interesting.
0: Interesting, But I mean, even if it, you know, that could be a prop play definitely. and, And we'll make that the fun submission play of the week potentially. But if you look at it after that, that sort of scenario happens where that shot is missed, that first shot that gets missed and it could happen earlier than we think. That's when the fight will start to shift and I think that uh, once he starts to miss a couple in a row, it is, he's just going to start to gas and I think that what you'll likely see is Poe's actually just tag him up on the feet, using his footwork and just piecing him up, potentially for a decision, if not a late finish, but I do like the submission and I definitely could see it. So, we'll move on to the next fight on the card, we have... Pedro Munoz coming in against Chris Gutierrez. Pedro Munoz could be had. He's the dog at plus 180, 19-7-0. Uh, Chris Gutierrez, 19-3-2, favorite at minus 200. And uh, this is an interesting one because I almost feel like these guys are, are similar in a way that, I mean, damaging styles when it comes to their leg kicks. They utilize their legs pretty well. Gutierrez, uh, obviously, a little bit higher volume. Um, but one guy is sort of on the slide, one guy's on the rise, which always falls into the the thing where you're stuck between are they is it momentum moving up and momentum moving down, or is it strength of schedule of the guy that's 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 sliding a bit It's still going to sway in this fight? Is Munoz strength of schedule gonna play out in this one for him, or is Gutierrez going to be are you be able to out volume uh Munoz and actually land the more damaging leg kicks, mobilizing him as well? Um I'll let you take this one away, and I will follow you on this one.
1: Yeah, well, this is one of, the, one of these fights on the card, man, where it's it's just kind of greasy, right? You know, a big coming-of-age fight. Look at Gutierrez, man. He's very good. As you point out, with the leg kicks, it's going to be a battle of the leg kicks. He's very good at slipping and moving and stuff like that. But the strength of schedule is so far on the Muniz side that it's unbelievable. Like, yeah, Chris came out, got that flying knee kill over Frank Yeager. But it was his retirement fight, man. Like, it's shouldn't have been in there with a guy that's a dynamic striker like that. They should have given him a fight like Dominic Cruz to sail off in the sunset or something. But, um, like, I do slightly lean Gutierrez in this fight. I just think he's the younger, hungrier fighter. I think he's more on the upswing of his career where Munoz is, you know, 36 years old. Kind of on the downfall of it. But it's going to be greasy, man. It's going to be close. I like the over in this fight. It's a little juiced, I think, to minus 2.4. I think uh, the um, over 2.5 right now is sitting at, let me just double check this. I think it's at minus 230. But I think it's a good parlay piece because I think you're going to see a relatively technical kickboxing match over the yeah. course of 15 minutes. Muniz has never been finished, and I can't see Muniz coming out and finishing a guy like Chris. Like, even if he does start to tag up Gutierrez, Gutierrez runs around the cage like, he's not the type of guy that exposes his chin just to get hit, so I think, the, yeah, the over 2.5 is uh, minus 215, so I think it's a good parlay piece, depending on your bank, really, you can play it straight, but I think that's the way to attack this one.
0: The thing about Munoz, the the, the numbers that are staggering to me is he lands 5.4, but absorbs 5.96, not yeah. really defensively sound at all, he's going to get hit, he's going to get touched, and he he's mid-volume um himself, like, both guys are sort of mid-volume, like, about four to five strikes, like four and a half strikes per per minute, but I just think that the younger, faster guy is going to land more. I think he's just going to piece him up, and I think you're right. This could be an over situation. And still, even over Denal Baccarat with that spinning back fist. I mean, he has finishing ability, regardless if it was Frankie. He is an opportunistic guy and will throw those flying knees and 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 throw vicious attacks. So, once again, another Factory X product, and they are all raring to go for this card so um i'm going to obviously go with gutierrez on this one likely going to be a play on the card as well too next fight on the card we have japa garcia coming in at a minus 250 favorite 15 3 and 0 against a dog plus 220 clay guida um 38 19 and 0 this is definitely interesting man um this line wide and I, i get that you know, Javier Garcia has had some notable wins recently over Maheshate um, in that war decision, and then uh, obviously over Ronson. But I mean, the win over Ronson, he knees the downed opponent. Ronson, a warrior, decides to continue to go in that fight, but you could tell he was compromised, um, regardless of how we thought it was going to go beforehand. Um, you know, he, he sort of he, he wins. He, he's a strong wrestler. He loses his cardio late in the fight. He still sticks in the fight, but does lose some gas on his punches. And I don't know, man. It's definitely interesting. He, he makes it ugly, but I don't know about minus 250 against a guy who can run um, laps around him when it comes to the cardio and a guy that everybody's sort of fading, maybe because they think he's going to retire at some point, but man, he's, tra- he's training like a madman at team alpha male. And I don't know if this is like a Masvidal situation, like America top Team, where he's like, I got all the young kids, American top Team. When I can't keep up with them, I'll retire. I think he's Clay Guida is running right beside these guys. I don't think he's mentoring as much as, as he's, you know, training right alongside these guys. So, um, Clay Guida, strong wrestler. Um, definitely both guys are going to be looking for takedowns. Both guys, um, Garcia, a little bit more power in his hands, but low volume is going to be a low volume affair mixed with a lot of movement from Guida to try to get Garcia tired. I think, man, I don't know. I see value in the dog. I think this is a closer line than it should be. I get that uh, there's another slide up and slide down the, the ranking situation. Not rankings, but, like, sort of a passing of the torch scenario, maybe. But uh, I like Rita and this is the dog, man. Um, I think – I don't know. What's what, what your take on this one? I think his wins over Holtzman still holds pretty decently. I know he's had some some losses um, against Puelas. What's what your take on this one?
1: I, I think this is another one of these greasy fights, man. And I said, you're going to hear that a lot on this card. Um, I think – the problem with this fight is like Guida wins minutes with judges that he doesn't necessarily deserve. And I'm a diehard Guida fan. Like his his fight against oh my god, I'm gonna fuck this up now. His fight against Diego Sanchez, I still watch probably on like a monthly basis. Like he's just an absolute gamer, one of my favorite guys. But he, the reality is 41 years old. And although he's gonna be competitive in this fight, I just feel like Rafa being like 28 is somebody who's once again like you know there's a lot of these fights man a lot of coming of age fights that's how they kind of set up this card a lot of old guys facing newer guys coming up and it speaks volumes in this one because i said like rafa my issue with rafa is the punching power like Guida's is going to be competitive and he's probably going to land more volume but the punches that are going to come back his way are going to be a lot heavier i think the best way to attack this fight like i said in the other one man is the over over 2.5 is minus 210 once again, it's, you know, it's better than laying the chalk at minus 260. I think if you're going to play Guida, I think you just go straight for um, for the decision prop. I don't foresee a world where he's going to finish Rafa. And then you're going to get yourself up to like plus 330 on him.
0: Yeah, I don't know if I would do that, man. Because, I mean, a banana peel happens and then I <laughs> overextended myself. That's all I'm saying, right? I think the value is already there if you're going to look Guida anyways. At plus 220, but I get it's trying to juice from work because there's a higher probability it would just be a decision split decision gets the judge nod. Um, I might be leading that one and, and have to go solo on it, but I may make that a dog play. I just I think if the line gets a little bit wider, I think I may have to hammer it. So
1: yeah, so looking at this right now, so just once again, just getting greasy theory here, and I'm sure other people have mentioned this. Clay Queedo by split or majority decisions plus eleven hundred and at the end of the day, we know Clay Guida is not going to win the first round, and he's probably not going to win a good portion of the second round. But Rafa Garcia gases in a lot of his fight, so Clay Guida could look like a world beater in the third round. So I'm just saying, if you like these plus money spots, plus 1100. Know. I'm just saying. After last one. week, I'm
0: a little gun shy. I'll be I'll be straight with you. I'm I'm not overextending myself this week. If if I think I get plus money there, I'm not even looking at splits, man. I wouldn't We're need to just at... trying to
1: make them units, man. We're just gotta yeah. keep it simple. Discipline is what makes you money. Plus 1100s, they're fun. Last week pissed me off.
0: I'll be straight up. So, I'm 1100s,
1: I'm... what you throw your fucking Tim Hortons money on it for sure. Okay, <laughs> so
0: next fight on the card, we have Bill LJO coming in against TJ Brown. Bill LJO 16, 7 and 0, the minus 182 favorite coming in against TJ Brown. The dog could be had at plus 165, 17, 9 and 0. Um, this is going to be a case of a guy who has a better gas tank, a cleaner, a little bit cleaner, striking one that comes in a little bit more KO or bust in the beginning or explosive or bust in the beginning. But I I was looking at a couple of things on TJ Brown's page and where he's been training and what he's been doing. It's definitely interesting. I will let you take this one away because TJ Brown's been training in Mexico and doing a lot of Muay Thai up there, but I'll let you take this one away and I'll follow up TJ Brown, Bill O'Jo, who wins this one?
1: This fight's been honestly fucking with me all week. I'm not going to lie. Like, I watch tape on these guys back and forth and back and forth. And I'm just going to lean TJ Brown. Like, I'm just going to go with it. Because every single time I come and I watch Biology, I'm like, oh my god, fuck this guy gets taken down a fair bit. But then I watch TJ Brown. I'm like, dude, this guy screws me every single time I bet on him. Whether it's for him or against him. But we're going to take another stab at it. I'm going to go TJ Brown. I think at the end of the day, he's going to be able to land takedowns with Algio. is a guy that can be complacent off his back. And although he's able to get up and sh- go for submissions, TJ Brown is a guy that's going to be live as shit for the first round and a half. Um, the biggest issue he has had, has been cardio. That's kind of been the downfall of his career and having bad fight IQ. So hopefully with his new training regimen, he comes in this fight, takes it a little bit more seriously. I don't know how many more opportunities the UFC is going to give him. So I'm going to take TJ Brown to ride out a greasy decision.
0: Okay. Yeah, I'm sort of leaning with you, man. I think the violence, TJ Brown, the Muay Thai style, um, he does have a strong wrestling base. The takedowns are there. Uh, he's looking at a, like almost four takedowns a fight. Um, I get that that's sort of gassed him. So I think even if he cuts his takedowns in this fight down a little bit, leans into the Muay Thai a little bit more, which that seemed to be what the camp has strictly been. He's just been doing Muay Thai in, in Mexico. That's sort of been his focus, his main focus um i just like what i see with it i think that at plus 165 this might be the podcast dog, or the, the podcast dog of the week um i just think he's like he does have athleticism he just has to measure it better uh hopefully his coaches can help work that with him and they work that into his training camp um but i just think his style is going to be able to land on, on ljo ljo like likes to run that sort of side stance karate style he wants to really run run that distance point you hit you um, people talk about his submission skills, but we haven't really seen anything that tells us that there's anything scary about it. He's used it to sort of get himself out of situations at points, but you're right, he does sort of accept the bottom, but he's not aggressive with anything that he's doing. So it's like he's accepting his guard, but doesn't really have a, a great guard as far as attacks. So um, there's definitely could be a T.J. Brown spot, and I think that for the levels that we're at with as far as LJO, I think that why not? Um, I think we'll go plus 165 T.J. Brown, potentially the podcast dog of the week. Next fight in the card we have Matus Nikolau, 19, 3, and 1. Current line, best um bet, two, minus 204 favorite. Coming in against Brandon Roy Bell and Factory X, 14, 6, and 0, plus 180 dog. And uh right now, I mean, Brandon Roy Bell always known as the dog. Um really as far as the value and even the way he fights the guy tries to bring chaos. And I know he's trying to slip away from that. And I know that he wants to bring, you know, more measured attack into the, the octagon. I just don't know if this is the fight to do it. I think to try to bring a measured attack against a guy who's so tactical in Matus Nikolau, a guy who is so measured in his, his attack, the, the high fight IQ of Nikolaou, um I mean, wins over Matt Schnell, David Dvorak, Tim Elliott, Manal Kap, um, the guy been on a, a streak since what, 2018 death taxes. And the way he strikes, he, he lands very clean, defensively sound. Um, the biggest thing that I think that the path to victory for Bell has to be the pressure. He's going to have to pressure, bring the chaos that he doesn't want to actually bring now in, in his game plans. And he's going to actually have to force uh, Nicolao sort of out of his comfort zone onto his back foot and Really, with the, the high, that high shell, is going to have to be something he's gonna have to implement because Roy is probably going to get hit in order to land. Um, but I'm leaning Nicolau on this one. Just a quick breakdown, but I think Nicolau um, definitely lands when he wants. So I think probably wins a decision. Um, and I mean, Roy is always there as potentially a live dog, but Nicolau definitely the side here for me.
1: Yeah, I have to agree, man. said Nikolaj is one of these guys, man. He's just super technical. It's not a stylistic fight that favors Ravel. Ravel likes fights where people are able to, you know, engage in a firefight with him and give him that type of war. Nicola said he's going to be too technically sound. He's going to pop that jab, kick the leg. You know, he may be even be able to land takedowns if he wanted to. Probably avoids the ground game. But he's just one of these guys, man. There's a reason why he's on such a long fight uh, win streak. And... It's because, man, this guy's in the straight from the path. Doesn't chase finishes. He's just one of these guys, man. He's just calm, cool, collected. I think as I agree with you that he probably rides this one out to a decision. Okay, next fight in the card,
0: we have Zach Cummings, 24-7-0, and coming up against Ed Herman, 27-15-0. And, I mean, for me, this is already – this is what they might call on pub sports Radio a backwood. This is a, a fight that – I'm going to stay off completely. We have a guy, Ed Herman, who I I love to watch fight in the past, but potentially, you know, is retiring in this fight, I hope. And I don't think that short fuse should be in the cage anymore. I think as a fan, I can say that I don't need to be a fighter or be, you know, professional breakdowns. Um, Straight up Ed Herman needs to not fight anymore. I think that as a fan, I don't want to see him take on any more damage. Um, Zach Cummings coming in, you know, not a spring chicken himself um been away from the cage a little bit and been away from the ufc anyways and for me i I just think both guys are really low volume uh you may see a take dinner two in this fight but it's probably going to be on the feed it's going to be a little sloppy and i'm just not touching it um i don't care what the lines are i don't care at all i do not eat green eggs and ham sam i am i'm staying off this motherfucker what's your take on this one
1: yeah i agree with you man i the biggest part of this game is picking spots and this is one of these fights where you don't know what the hell is going to happen. Like, you're going to like chalk minus 235 on Zach Cummings. <clears throat> and then in reality, you know, Ed Herman come out and bust him up in the first round. Like, his two guys, middle age, way towards the end of their career. Um, aside with Zach Cummings, man. But at the end of the day, man, this fight would never see my money. <laughs> so I don't even really got much of a breakdown for it, man. It's just both these guys are at the end. They're going to retire soon. And it's, I wouldn't touch it.
0: Sounds good. We move on. Next fight on the card, we have Jillian Robertson, 11-7-0, and 0, the minus 108 favorite, fighting out of the goat shed. Uh, Pierre Rodriguez coming in at 9-0-0. Um, current line can be had, dog, plus 110. So if we look at this matchup, it really is going to come down to, I mean, there's takedowns on both ends, but Jillian Robertson, I think the biggest storyline here is the level of her grappling at this point. I think a lot of people are worried if she can get the takedowns or do this or do that. But I think there is a clear story, even if you look at her losses years ago, what she's done since then, and then what you see her do in the cage and in grappling matches for the most part. Um, so right now, Jillian Robertson is the favorite, and I think rightfully so. Uh, her notable wins most recently over Agapova. Um, a little while ago, against uh, um, but both rear naked choke wins but here, here's where the story really, I think lies. She loses the Miranda Maverick um, and loses to Talia Santos back in 2020 and 2021, and then goes into a plethora of grappling competitions and, you know, win or lose. She, I mean, she, she lost to Sullivan via knee bar, but beats Briggs via decision. And then Mirna Kachok of, of Nama Yunus, um, she's been really working her And I think if this goes to the ground, which is likely where this is going to play out at some point, um, you know, with, with, um, Pierre Rodriguez, she shoots about three point six and lands three point six takedowns a fight in the UFC so far, and uh, I I don't rock, think Robertson is going to need to have crazy wrestling to get this to the ground. I think this gets sloppy up against the cage and it's fall to the ground. I think that there's multiple ways it does get to the ground, and I think when she gets there, although uh, Rodriguez' um, jitsu game is just top notch as well too, I think that uh, there's levels to this right now. And I think that the, the opportunistic or not, she works towards her submissions, but the killer instinct in her submissions of Jillian Robertson um, is going to be the difference in this one. Am I going to necessarily go to the window on this one? I don't know. I may just play the, the sub on this one, or if you can find a rear naked choke, it seems to be her go-to. Um, but uh, I, I don't, I don't know if I really, I'm going to go Jillian Robertson as my pick. I may not make a play on this one. though. What's your take on this one? Robertson, Rodriguez, Rodriguez coming in, obviously, sorry. Um, Seventy-seven takedown, uh 77% takedown defense is one thing that we want to look at. And I know Robertson is not quite uh uh landing the takedowns that she needs to. So definitely interesting. Take it away. Pierre Rodriguez, Jillian Robertson.
1: Yeah, I'm going to take um, Pierre Rodriguez in this one, man. I think with Jillian Robertson, I think she's one of these girls that gets a lot of hype, but I feel like a lot of the fights she wins are kind of given to her in the sense that, like, you know, these people fall, or as you like to say, slip on a banana peel. She gets these late subs. Like, there's not a part of her game that I've seen drastically improve, and although you do say, you know, she's done all these grappling competitions and stuff like this, I just think Pierre Rodriguez is going to be the stronger fighter. I think she has better striking. And I think the grappling's going to be close. That being said, they're giving me minus 125 on an over 2.5. So that's probably going to be my play on the fight. Because that's the least chalk I've seen on a women's MMA fight in a long time. And that's due
0: to Robertson's submission skills and, and finishing it. But I don't know if she, she's not going to – if she were to finish it and, I, and I'm right on my end, I don't think it would be early. So no. I do like that play. I think it's going to be – it would be a late finish. These girls are grinding out a crazy fight. Um yeah, I think uh, I get what you're saying. And I think that's why it's sort of a pick and it could go back and forth. I mean, if you look at Rodriguez for strength, of schedule, Sam Hughes, Kay Hansen, um, and Machado, all the unanimous decision wins. So a good, good showing of yourself at this level. Um, one, obviously being an Invicta, but um, I, I see what you're seeing. I, I just think that now Robertson's submission game is just that, that good. And, and I see the, the problems with getting it to there. But I think it's just, there's going to be opportunities, and I think that she's going to be able to, to win either via submission or some control time. So but either way, it's a stay-off for me, but I do like that over. Next fight on the card, we have Lando Venata. Record is 12-6-2, coming in as dog, plus one twelve. Daniel Zellhuber coming in at 12-1-0, and, and a minus two twenty two favored. I mean, this line, if the story would have went the way everybody thought when this guy burst on the scene, and I'm talking about Daniel Zellweber, this would be a very wide line right now. And, and the, you know, with what happened in his last fight, I just don't get it. And, and this is really the story of the fight right here. Zellweber threw 115 strikes against Lucas Almeida. And then he goes up against Trey Ogden throws 52. And they get Ogden with the threat of the takedown. But 52 strikes. Didn't look like himself in that fight. It looked completely... Like, it wasn't even, I don't know. Um, I think that if Zellhooper w- learns from his, his uh, last fight, he's going to come out and ride him this one, man. I think, although Banada really a dynamic striker, a vet, been around for some time, um, has some takedowns in his back pocket, which I think he may have to try to, uh, you know, at least show as a threat, um, but really is the dynamic striker. I just think that when he throws his spins, I think is going to probably time those, probably work for some takedowns, being a little bit bigger. Um... I don't know. But for me, man, it's a six inch reach. I think that that is going to be play pretty huge. I think Selver, if he feels a little bit of success early, he's just going to start to tag uh, Lando. But it's going to be a fun fight to watch, maybe a performance of the night. Um, Lando Manetta obviously not had a good outing against our boy, um, Jourdain and pretty much gets subbed and pants all in one shot in his last fight but truly is uh, a solid fighter notable wins over Mike Grundy decision and and over Yancy Medeiros as well too dynamic striker um he has all the pieces but at the same time it's like this is an older cat against a younger cat and I'm going to go I'm going to actually yeah I'm going to go with the younger cat relatively younger cat and uh, Daniel Zellhofer, but I think he's going to have a bounce back I think he he really is that solid of fighter just to get a bad outing whatever reason in his last fight so Give me um, Daniel Zellhuber as the favorite, but I'm I'm not putting anything near this fight because uh, it may go the distance. So I'm not I'm not touching an over-under. I'm not touching an officially a pick.
1: Yeah, honestly, I like Daniel Zellhuber a lot in this spot, man. I think the line is kind of obscene for what it's at, and you touched on that as well. It could be due to his last performance, but his striking is so much better than Lando's. And, you know, Lando may have a threat of a takedown coming his way, but I don't think so um so he was gonna have like a six inch reach advantage and i think he's just gonna piece him up over 15 minutes i think he's gonna be a little bit cautious coming in given what happened in his last fight because he does have a lot of fight uh, a lot of hype he only has one loss on his record and excuse me this is one of these fights you know where you kind of learn a lot about the fighter he's young in his career and it's kind of like, how does he bounce back from his first loss, right? Is he going to come in here overly aggressive and over, and overextend himself and put himself in a comor, uh, compromising position? I don't think so. I think this kid has potential to make it up there in this division. And I said, I think he probably puts a beating on Lando for the better part of 15 minutes. Yeah, it looks like we're on the same side of that one. We'll move on to the next fight of the card. We have
0: Bruna Brazil coming in in a debut against Denise Gomes um bruna brazil right now uh the favorite minus 155 um denise Gomes coming in on the other side at plus 165 dump so if we're looking at these ladies we have i I think this is a this is a pretty clear win for me i think bruna brazil if you look at her she's landing about 4.19 and absorbing 1.99 strikes per minute um so solid striker defensively sound, um, mid volume. So she's throwing probably about four to 4.5 per fight on average. And if you're looking at the way that this works, I think she's just going to outpace and outwork, uh, Denise Gomes with their volume. Denise Gomes does present the power. There is a little bit of power in her punches, but they're looping shots. The submission threat is definitely there. And she's going to want to try to grind this up against the cage and work some chain wrestling. Um, I just think Bruna Brazil rides all day in this. I think Bruna Brazil by decision, um, that's my play on this one. I, I think, you know, her loss to Loma Lukumi did not look good uh, for Denise gomez So for me, I just, I'm with Bruno Brazil on this one. And I think that she rides.
1: Yeah, I have to agree, man. I have to admit, like I don't really have a strong take on this uh, fight. I've seen a lot of people take Denise one way, but I do agree with you with Bruno. Um, you know, she's coming in off the contender series. She looked very good. And I think it's just kind of a high-versus style fight. I think it's one of these fights, you know, where you kind of see where she's at in the division. Um, the line is kind of wide. She comes in about what, as you said, like minus 200 favorite. It's kind of greasy to put that kind of chalk on somebody that you don't really know too much about. So um, I think it's one of those fights you sit back, you watch, and you see, I'll take the favorite in the spot, but with no real confidence.
0: Once again, another pick, but not a play, and I think uh, we'll be reserved this week, but I'm okay with that. Pick our spots where we feel really confident and leave it, maybe throw a couple crazy, part, Crazy. we like to make props that are measured, but some crazy props that are measured out there, and we'll go from there. Uh, Next fight on the card, we have Aaron Phillips coming in against Gaston Bolanos. I mean, this is a very volatile fight in the way that Aaron Phillips hasn't fought in uh quite some time now. He hasn't fought since, what, 2020, and uh his, his record just isn't active. Uh, a lot of jokes going on out there in, in the Twitterverse right now, just about the fact that he's just trying to stay on the roster to get the perks of the you know the gear, the fight gear, and the health insurance and things of this nature. Um, man hasn't really had a good showing. Um, four canceled bouts, he lands in his stats right now in the UFC. He's landing about 1.65 strikes per minute and absorbing 3.44. I mean, I, I don't really know what we're looking at. Um, with him coming in against Gaston Bolanos, who I know that is traditionally a kickboxer, I think that's sort of the angle that. Uh, we're going to see Phillips look at and try to get a takedown and work a submission because that's the only clink in um, Bolanos's armor. And we're looking at Bolanos um, proving kickboxer, high level striker. Um, he has been mis- uh, submitted multiple times in Bellator, but precise with his power, spinning attacks, um, strong uh, lead hook, strong uh, back hook as well too. And the, the biggest thing is he's going to have to need to keep it standing through his agility and footwork. If you're looking at the line, I mean, currently. What what is the line currently sitting at for Aaron Phillips and Gaston Bolanos?
1: Bolanos sitting at a minus 195 with the return on Aaron Phillips at a plus 165.
0: So what's the line for the violence? What's the line for the
1: unders? Um, So right now you have the only line that I can get is for over 2.5. It's at plus 115 and under 2.5 minus 145. Under
0: 2.5 minus 145, I think is a play, man. I don't think it goes the distance. Like, do you see this spike going to distance?
1: No, I don't, to be honest. Like, I think that Bolanos is gonna be able to clip him and clip him early. I don't think Phelps has his head too much in this game. He hasn't been around for a while. And I feel like he's probably just fighting out his contract at this point. But as you said, both these guys, you know, they're they're kind of questionable at where they're at in their career. So Can you write that one down
0: under two and a half. What is it?
1: Minus 145. Mm-hmm. Okay,
0: Phillips Blanos.
1: All right, that'll be a podcast play.
0: Next fight on the card in the first fight of the mm-hmm. night, we have Jocelyn Edwards uh, coming in 12-4-0. Current line could be had. Dog money, plus 130. Uh, Lucy Padlova coming in at 14-7-0 and and minus 135, 133 favorite. I mean, the biggest reason why the line is what it is is how Padlova broke back in the scene after coming back off the regional scene at Octagon um, in her last fight and just looked like a monster. Um, obviously she had had a, a, a stint in the UFC before lost to Shevchenko, Eldana, Karmouche. I mean, that's back in 2018, 2019. Can't really falter for that. Um, but if you're looking at it, she came up against Yanan Wu and ran through her, like smashed her, took her down, smashed her. And man, I like this matchup. I think that it's, it's a fun one because everybody's been trying to crack that armor or that kicking style of Jocelyn Edwards. She's winning decisions by leg kicks and, you know, sidekicks. Side kicks to keep distance, leg kicks. She lands high volume striking, but for the most part, you know, she is a high-level technically sound kickboxer, but that's what she's utilizing. And if she gets taken down, I mean, it's interesting. But utilizing those kicks have given her a, a 5.61 landed to 3.65 uh, ratio if you're looking at uh, absorbed to landed. So I don't know, man. I think that a lot of people are looking at Edwards as a side in this one, and, and I'm liking Um, I think Edwards, I get the idea of the dog. I get the idea of the first part of the night, women's MMA and her winning a greasy decision. But I, I still like Padlova. Lucy Padlova is going to have to close that distance, make it ugly, and good luck trying to get on the side of those leg kicks. And, you know, it's going to be interesting, man. What's your take on this one? And you can't just say over two and a half.
1: <laughs> I think. Well, I don't know, man. Like, it's going to be greasy, right? Like, both of these girls, they don't average takedowns, like with Jocelyn Edwards, 0.40, and with Lucy Padalova, 0.43, so they're not shooting takedowns. Jocelyn Edwards lands slightly more strikes per minute, but, like, it's close, man. Like, there's no real edge either way. Like, both of these girls are going to meet in the center of the cage. The only thing Jocelyn is going to do different is she really uh, leads on the leg kick, but lean Lucy I think she has the better punching power but man this is yeah no I get that but the
0: one stat I want to correct you on though is just the Padlova's only had one fight back in the UFC in the past little while um her last fights were quite some time ago so the takedown number doesn't really make yeah, sense yeah that's fair that's fair doesn't really translate um what she's doing now because she is looking for the wrestling that being said, I'm not heavily invested in it, but I just think that the, the takedown might be something that we want to look at, just because everything else is just real greasy. The over really is something you may want to parlay. But Minus man,
1: 305, you though, you know it's yeah. As no. you said, slip on and a banana peel.
0: Back taken. Edward gets her back taken. Yeah, you know, it's true. Something along those lines. Yeah, no. So let's go down the line and let's see what we got for the night. I know that both of us were leaning now. Max Holloway, although I was back and forth on it, we'll go Max Holloway, likely over in strike numbers would be a prop I'll be looking at, probably be juiced. Um, but as an official play, we'll come back to that to see if we don't have enough plays and we'll lean Max Holloway as a, either hedge a scenario for a parlay, um, but we'll go from there. So Edson Barboso, Billy Quarantillo, any play? No. Dustin Jacoby, we got him at minus 155, um, and I already have him in a parlay with Tanner Bozer, but officially it's just going to be Dustin Jacoby money line, I think. What do you think? I like it. Okay, Tanner Bozer, straight up, I'm just going to play him as a value money line Mm play. And then um, if we look at Gutierrez and Munoz, do you want to stay off that one? Over. You think the over?
1: Yeah, yeah, I do. I think it's gonna
0: minus two fifteen. Yeah, but but what are you gonna do? Are you gonna parlay that with something? I don't know if that's a strong. I don't know what Munio I don't know for a parlayable scenario. If yeah, it's parlayable. It, you play it? Yeah. yeah, we'll see. We'll see. i been I'm gun shy, bro. I I came up with that parlay last week and and it blew up in our face. So the one leg one, which was great, but uh, we're gonna we're gonna play smart this week um Munoz and Gutierrez that Yana's scenario has me scared Clay Guida and Hapa Garcia I mean the line gets over say plus 250 I'm gonna put out a play for quick Clay, Gu- Clay Guida is my dog of the week um but our dog of the week and our podcast dog of the week is definitely gonna be TJ Brown TJ Brown coming in at plus money at uh right now currently sitting at plus 165 that's it we are going to just enjoy Nicolau and Roy Val. We are going to gloss over Herman and Cummings. Um, I like Robertson, you like Rodriguez. Maybe we make it uh, you know what? Let's make it a fun one. I shave my beard, you get a shoey. Robertson done. That's the shoey bet of the week. Um, my wife's fucking hate me. Lando Venada and Zellhuber. I think we're both on Zellhuber. I think we may make that a play. What do you think? We may make him inside the distance. I like it here inside the distances a play the, uh, one of our plays this week. I, I'm high on Bruno Brazil but we're going to stay off as an official play over Denise Gomez or Gomez sorry um Aaron Phillips and Gaston Bolanos under two and a half is minus 145. that is going to likely be the podcast play of the week um and then Johnson Edwards I mean we're we've gone back and forth on that I think Pudlova potentially does it I like the prop for the takedown I'll see what that is and I'll put that out as well too. but ultimately it is the under Phillips and Bolanos. It is Zell Huber inside the distance. It is a fun Robertson, Rodriguez, Shuey to Beard bet. We are looking at TJ Brown as our dog of the week. We have potential for ClickWita as my dog of the week if it goes over plus 250. We are going to look at Tanner Bozer as our value play at plus 110 that we hit early in the week, and it's sort of hovering back and forth on different books. Dustin Jacoby as our money line play of the week at minus 155. And we are going to enjoy the hell out of Edson Barbosa and Billy Quarantillo and Max Holloway versus Arnold Allen. I think I may just go Max Holloway by decision as a play as well, too. What do you think? I like it. All right, brother. Any parlays you see, or do we just play the lines that we are separately? I think, I, I
1: think we just play, man. We'll run yep. over there's something else we see. We'll put it out later this week, but sounds good. All right brother for Nick Gly <laughs>
0: I am Callum McGregor we're really excited about what's been going on with the podcast being able to shoot ch- uh you know chop it up with uh, a lot of guys on Pub Sports Radio last week was pretty awesome during the fights um, being able to have um you know Billy Briz come on here break down fights with you and I last week was pretty awesome as well too getting more fighters involved in the, in the podcast has been great more sponsors start starting to look at us as well too things are starting to move man so for Nikki Gly, I'm Callum McGregor. we like to chop it up. We like to break down fights, watch some tape, line your pockets while lining ours. But you know, we're just from Canada and uh And what do we do up in Canada? Tune into the Don't Tap podcast. I'm about to beat the sh- at this team. Yeah, I'm UFC President Dana White and you're in the ring with Callum McGregor.